Hey guys, it's Pleasance here, and I just wanted to invite you to one of my favorite annual offerings that I have with my friend Allison Tepper, uh, Nourish Your Year, Nourish Your Life. This year, our retreat will be held January 11th to the 13th uh, in Maryland, about an hour outside of D.C., uh, close to the BWI airport, Baltimore. And um, I just want to tell you that this is one of my favorite weekends because We get to dive into the stories around food and body image and nourishing our bodies and our lives, especially around the winter, around the new year. So delicious, such a wonderful way to connect to our souls and our sisters. This year, we're hosting it at the wonderful Zigbone Retreat Center. Uh, It's a gorgeous area. I can't wait to explore this with you. Feel free to go to littleohm.com to uh, sign up. Feel free to email me any questions and hope to see you there. Okay, everyone. Um, So before I have people on, I spend time that day like thinking about why I invited them on. Mm -hmm. And I, so first of all, I have that like super weird photographic face memory where the minute I saw you in person, I was like, oh, I've seen you before in person. And then I was like, oh, Emerging Women Live. Like I had seen you physically there, but I didn't realize that until I saw you in person. Yeah. But so I was tracing back. Okay. But I don't know how I met you, like knew of you before that. I later on in the story, Angela Loria told me, do you know Elizabeth D'Alto? You will love her. She's like your kind of people. Mm -hmm. And I looked you up and I was like, I'm already friends with her on Facebook, but I don't know how, and I don't know (laughs) why. And I don't, I don't know where it came from. It's just one of those divine things. But then I started doing like the deep dive into your podcast has been in my ears since you started. Yeah. And like, you've changed my life, right? Like these guests, these conversations, you showing up just fully as yourself without all the crazy editing and producing and all the nonsense of trying to be something you're not, um, resonates so deeply with who I am and how I like to be in the world. And so finding other soul sisters through your headphones, through your ears, through these intimate conversations, when you're not even part of it, that's the hilarious part, right? (laughs) It's like, you don't know. And then I had the privilege and honor of meeting you this spring and being like, yeah, she's exactly integrated, the integrated self of what I heard and what I saw. And it's so refreshing. So that's a long way of saying, Elizabeth Dialto, I love you. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's so funny because I, I joke, I get that all the time. People are like, yeah. oh my God, you are exactly the same in real life. And I always say, the minute I stop getting that feedback, I shoot myself or I quit my business. I wouldn't shoot myself. But like, that's important to me. And it's just easier. It's just easier. For sure. You know what I remember about you? Can I tell you? Yeah. 
you did my nine minute morning ritual with your kids and you like drew it out on sheets of paper. And I think mm-hmm. you tagged, tagged me on Instagram. I remember I like mm-hmm. took a screenshot of it and sent mm-hmm. it out to everybody at one point. I was like, this is so smart. Do it with your kids. It was amazing because I think I had read um, Miracle Morning or my husband had read Hal Elrod's book and like passed it to me. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. And I'm so glad this single man has two hours every morning to visualize and do his affirmations and do his movement and journal (laughs) and make green smoothies and head to the gym and like make a vision board all before 6am. But meanwhile, I have kids who are literally up and crawling in my lap. So I had to take, so then when I saw what you did, I was like, oh, that's it. But let's bring the kids. Let's take it down a notch with like how many things we have to do and how long we do them. Let's make it fun. Let's embody and let's invite the kids. Wait, I need to tell you something though. Do you know, I know Hal from Cutco back in the day. I've known Hal since I was like 20, but you know, he has two little kids, right? Now? Did he have them when he wrote the book? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. There's no way. I'm sorry. Or maybe his wife is a saint and was taking care of it all, or his husband. I think, husband. I I think that might be the case. I, yeah, think, right. I, I don't know for sure, but I so know. That could be the other case where the other partner really supports the person's miracle morning. But yeah. meanwhile, my husband like is snoring away <laughs> and not supporting my miracle morning. And I have to deal with kids who want to nurse and like be on my lap and be like, yeah. I, this is a real life. I, I hear you. I just, I see a lot of people because Hal's not the, the only person with a book talking about get up at 5 a.m. and do this. Totally. Like a lot of people. And that is really why I created the nine minute morning ritual. I'm like, y'all, you can find yeah. nine minutes. And I, I just loved so much that you were, you included your kids because I feel like yeah. that's something that, why don't, why don't we teach kids mindfulness when they're little? You know how much, I think we all joke about this. You came to one of my weekend workshops. It's like, can you imagine if we learned any of this when we were children? <laughs> Life would have been so different. And that's, I think the point is like, so the, over the past few years, I find that I'm very attracted organically to women who have these boundaries and these practices that are talking about them that are really open and real and not bullshitty about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the women, so Anna Gastelli is my best friend. She's the founder of Curvy Yoga and she does not have children and her boundaries are so tight and how she integrates her living. Um, Nicole Antoinette has been someone I followed. I'm like, whoa, she just like puts on a backpack and goes hiking for days and days, like, and never been a hiker before, right? Like listening and learning to you and how, and your boundaries work and the courageous conversations work. And so I'm very attracted to these women who don't, who right now don't have children doing that. And then I'm like, okay, so how can we do this in a way? Because my whole community is families and women with children Mm -hmm. for the most part, because I own a family yoga studio. So I basically try to bridge like, okay, here's what these wonderful women who I love are doing. Now let's see how we can kind of bring it to the, that middle path of like, okay, what do we do in real life with our kids? And yes, teach them, right? Like, yes, yeah, soulful yeah. self-care for girls when we had that. And, and here's one of the reasons why this boundaries, trust, intuition stuff comes up in all my circles, in all your circles, in the conversation, because we're navigating that and we did not have those conversations with our mamas. And so now it's like, okay, mamas, let's have this conversation and teach yeah. it to our girls. Share, share, share. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's big. Um, who, how many podcast episodes have you done now? Well, my board's right next to me. Um, next week will be 275. (gasps) Okay. What are your favorite interviews and why? 
That's a great question. Um, you know Rebecca Baruki because you came to my workshop at her place. And I did an interview with Bex recently, just within the last few months, where we talked about how we have been unlearning, unpacking. The race and privilege one. Race and privilege, yes. and all of these things. And um, what I loved about that conversation is everything that you said described about me, Bex is very similar. Yes. She's been a dear friend of mine for many years. And, and the real intention of that episode was just to get on so people could hear us having the kind of conversation that we have privately all the time, yeah. which is like, this is what we're reading. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm struggling with. This is uncomfortable. We're not race educators. We're not teachers. But we wanted to show the process to people. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten so many messages from people mm-hmm. saying, I mean, people, white women mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God thank you for doing that because I'm in this process and it's uncomfortable and it's hard. And, you know, I, it's, it's cool to see other people go through it. And also I've, I got messages from women of color, like, thanks for being a real ally. Like this is real shit. Mm-hmm. And so um, I appreciate every time I get a message from someone that says I'm staying engaged in this conversation because of listening to this, I, I screenshot it, I send it to Bex, and I'm like celebrating the small wins because mm-hmm. that feels like a mountain to climb that's insurmountable, but mm-hmm. any small progress is amazing. So I love that conversation. Um, it's so hard, 275. I still think back on when I interviewed Martha Beck, which was a couple years ago, because she's just hilarious. She's it was so funny. Huh? So smart. She's so eccentric and so smart. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it hasn't aired yet, but my friend Kendra Kunov, um, she came on for a second time. I interviewed her the other week. I always love talking to her. Her and I, I think, it'll, like, share a brain mm. about, like, relationships, intimacy, boundaries, communication, stuff like that. And also another interview that hasn't aired yet recently, um, I talked to Tanya Geisler. Do you know who she is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imposter Complex. I yeah. loved that conversation. That was yeah. so enjoyable. Um, and I'm just trying to think of – there's anyone else that really stands out to me? You know, a lot of the people who come on the show are people I know. Yeah. There's plenty of people who I don't, but I loved my conversation with Sonia Renee Taylor last year from uh, The Body yeah. Is Not an Apology because yeah. she's amazing. I love um, that book. Yeah. Those, those are what come to mind right now. And they're, so that's true for me today, but out of 275, like who the hell knows? Totally. Well, and also like, was there any, any information or anyone you had on that really made a difference in your life? Like that taught you something or everybody? Yeah, almost everyone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But every once in a while, there will be a conversation that like, I need to adjust afterwards or like, integrate the conversation. Um, J love Calderon this year was one of those. Um, what do you mean? Be more specific. Like why her, we talked about, we talked about whiteness. Yeah. She, um, is really active. I don't remember. I don't want to misquote it. She might be one of the founding members of surge standing up for racial justice. And if she's not, she's heavily involved with the organization. She has several books on that. Um, so, that was a really helpful conversation. Also to talk to someone who's been doing just activism work for decades. Because for me, one of the things that I've taken issue with around all of that is how a couple of people like on Instagram or Facebook have had posts go viral 
And then all of a sudden they have all these followers. And so it looks like they're the person to learn from, but they haven't necessarily been race educators. They haven't been on the ground. Some of them don't even live in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're more of like an Instagram influencer than they are someone with like years of deep work and practice and experience and teaching. We have this Hold in the yoga world work. as well. I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's because we do live in this digital age and a lot of people don't realize that followers do not equal depth of practice, wisdom, knowledge, experience, or embodiment. Right. So um, I just, I really go for the people who are like the depth of practice and experience. And so um, that was really awesome with J-Love. I had Desiree Attaway on it. She's someone I've been following for a really long time. And so that was a really fun conversation. Not even just, I mean, it's weird to call things like this fun because they're hard, but I think learning is fun. So when yeah. I say fun, I enjoy that. But, um, and as always, a dear friend of mine, Terry Cole, whenever she comes on the show, because she's a licensed psychotherapist and a coach, um, she's like my wise older sister. She's mm -hmm. freaking great. She's been, she's the only person who's been on the show three times. Mm -hmm. We talk about codependency, real love. Most recently her episode was out about boundaries. Even my friends are listening to that one. I'm getting text messages from my friends. They're like, this is everything. <laughs> and we have to hear it like a few, many times. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and that was, I was talking to, do you know who Randy Buckley is? Healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. People. So I talked to her last week and one of the things I said was, as my kids grow, as I like now dive into the 40s and how I have been in this relationship for 20 years, like boundaries are changing as, the, yeah. as everything around me changes. So it's not like, oh, I learned this, check the box, I can move on. That's what's so fascinating is like, it's always, it's like always this evolving yeah, this is, so one of the things that I love about doing this kind of work with people is that I am not teaching or practicing or facilitating work that's like one and done. Mm -hmm. I'm giving people tools and practices to use for the rest of their life mm -hmm. um, as seasons change, mm -hmm. as people change, as they grow in and out of relationships, as whatever. Like this is just universal stuff that we always need. Yeah. And we could always reapply it because everything's going to be different, you know? Um, you know who Barry Tesler is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Art of Money. Yeah. Barry and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying how she – I forget the woman's name, but there was this parenting coach, this great parenting coach who didn't have kids. Mm. And she was like, how, how could someone do this and not have kids? And then she said – and then I met her, and I went, oh – she can do this because she doesn't have kids because she has the space to hold for the rest of us. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, we used to have, um, this came up at the studio a lot with prenatal teachers who didn't have kids or hadn't been pregnant, mm -hmm. teaching prenatal yoga and feeling um, conflicted and confused about how to do that. And oftentimes, in fact, Janice Clearfield, who is like the godmother of prenatal yoga for many, many years and did the main training in the US, um, didn't, doesn't have children. And she would often talk about that. And so I think that it doesn't mean it's right or wrong, obviously, yeah, yeah. right? It's just like, oh, we're assuming that it is. And then we actually meet them and we're learning so much from them 
Um, which also reminds me of like what's happening in all of the spiritual worlds with everything being blown up right now with the sexual abuse and assault and even the spiritual teachers who are a lot of the um, race and privilege um, teachings that are coming out going after teachers who haven't said anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like literally every little subgroup is just having this explosion right now. Yeah, and and I'm I'm really glad. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. How as traumatizing as it's been to have someone like Donald Trump as our president, it couldn't have been any better because yes. his ass is precipitating a lot of these explosions that needed to happen. Absolutely. And I don't think people would have reached the level of like outrage and but also disgust. Like. Yeah. This dude is serving us up helping after helping of disgust. That is really the fire that people needed to like take action and look at things that they just were comfortably not looking at before. And it's so uncomfortable now they have to. Yes. So we're not a fan of him, but what he is catalyzing is needed. And shining a light on stuff that's always happened just in the dark. Exactly. It's like we can't pretend this shit isn't happening anymore because yes. the embodiment of all of it is running our country. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I just think it's a such a, it's because I'm in a bunch of different worlds where it's happening. It's so fascinating. And I just say like as hard as it is to go through it, um, especially last week with the hearings and just all of the DC energy around what's happening. Sure. I also would say I saw my like physical Reiki healer who lives in Frederick, Maryland. I saw her on Friday, which is like an hour away. And I said, oh, I'm just so like as hard as this is, and I'm moving this stuff through the body and all of this stuff that's happening. However, I'm so glad this is our experience. Like I'm yeah. so grateful to be wide awake and watching this and paying mm -hmm. attention to this. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that having the work that you do and the people that you have on and have exposed all of us to um, helps continue to see the world that way. I yeah. think that's one of the things I'm really, um, I really appreciate is that this is not necessarily the conversation that my neighbors are having or the sort of mainstream, very masculine energy in DC. And so having this outlet to not feel so alone. I think I said that to you too, at the live event, you know, we went through the, the movement piece and it felt so good and natural and kind of looks like my weird and wild and wonderful daily practice. And I was like, I'm just so glad that, to have other people to do this with. Yeah. Because a lot of the, the movement practices in these cities look very, there's one way to do them and it's very masculine and we're sort of, we're really imprinting that over and over in so many ways. And so to break free of that is sometimes, I feel sometimes scared by that and also like excited because it just feels like a big yes in the body when you meet people like that, that you connect to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, how did you, so at this point, what do you feel like you're really excited about learning more and studying and teaching? Nothing. I'm excited to do my work mm. that I've been doing that just, but what I, well, actually what I'm, so it's not about like learning, studying, teaching for me. Like my work is my work and it's like ever evolving and ever deepening, but it's mm -hmm. just the practice of the work, right? So I'm not compelled at all 
to learn new things to add into my work because mm-hmm. it's already like super deep and very like overarching and applicable. What I have been doing though, because I took, so my core program, Wild Soul Movement, the virtual program, I've been doing for five years now. I took it off the market. I kind of retired that original version of it this past May. And the last several months, I've just been sitting with it and kind of like, I treat the program like it's its own entity. It's its own energy. And I'm like, you know, what do you want? What are we doing here? And it's been quiet, quiet, quiet. And then maybe about a month ago, the little seedlings and the little nudges started coming. And literally just in the last 72 hours, I got super clear on what version 2.0 is going to look like, the timing and everything like that. It'll be I'll do a little like early release in November. We'll fill it up in December and we'll start in January. But what I was looking at is especially, and what's so interesting is how many of our livelihoods are, have been impacted by the election and the last couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. I remember on the election, the morning after the election, just having this feeling and this knowing that my work that primarily is about helping women get out of the head and into the body and trust themselves mm-hmm. was no longer going to be like a kind of nice to have. It was mm-hmm. going to become yeah. crucial. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because the resiliency we need, the courage to speak up, the trust, mm-hmm. um, knowing what's true and right for us. And it's, it, we're seeing in so many ways how the amount of courage needed and ability to be with discomfort and ability to say no to what has always been and to face our programming and conditioning. That is like, survival now. That's no longer like growth. That is what we need to do to, for friggin' basic decency. So anyway, being able to articulate the full scope of what this practice does for people, and I'm actually going to run it as a year-long program. I've never done that before, but it yeah. needs a container yeah. and it needs a little more structure. So you yeah. were saying earlier about things being really masculine. Mm-hmm. For me, one of the things I'm always looking at and trying to integrate is how, how, do, the, how, do, the, how, does the, how do we leverage the interplay? Because mm-hmm. we need both. We all have both. Mm-hmm. And Wild Soul Movement is also a practice that really tunes women in with their feminine. It's a feminine essence inspired practice for sure. But um, I haven't given it enough structure so that people could really get the full benefits and really be held partially because over the last couple of years, I'm always experimenting with other things. Right. Now that I'm just like super clear on like the one thing and just holding this program for a year, I won't need to be distracted. There won't be other things going on. We can go super deep. I could add in elements I've not added in before. So that was a a fun question because I was literally just like working on all of that this morning. But then I think, you know, the other thing I'm doing is I just got into stand-up comedy. So that's a big learning curve. Okay, how's the comedy going? <laughs> it's super fun. It's super fun. Um, I did my first real show, which was very specific. It was called, Does This Make Me Look Spiritual? You would have loved it. Oh gosh, I'm sure. Have you always um, wanted to be a comedian? Or have yeah. you always been interested in comedy? Yeah. Literally since I was eight. Yeah. Except it just never occurred to me as a thing to actually pursue. Mm-hmm. But then this year, there have just been so many great comedians And comedians have always done this, but just different ways I see comedians using their platforms for good. Yeah. And just like some really badass women, Ali Wong, Tiffany Haddish, Whitney Cummings. I'm like, I'm just going to go to open mic. And I went to an open mic and then I went to another one. And then I went to another one. And I was like, I think I'm just going to do this. So fun. So it's super fun. 
So you'll keep signing up for things as it feels good, like shows to do and working on your, like, how do you, how do you, this is something I'm always really curious about is how you manage and like follow your time and energy with your side passions or your passion projects with your Mm -hmm. day work and your own care. Like, how do you see all that now that you're adding something else into your life? Did you let something go to make space for it? Or did you just, it naturally happened? It naturally happens, but truly what I looked at was where, what am I spending time on that really does, I don't need to be spending time on. And part of that actually was unnecessary learning. I love reading. I know. But I'm like, how much of what I'm reading do I really need to be reading is really helpful for me. Yeah. And going, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather swap out this like stuff that's marginally useful for learning a new skill. Yeah. I think it's so, this is, I talk about this. I talked about this a lot when that, I think it was White Hot Truth. What was Danielle Laporte's last book? White Hot Truth. White Hot Truth. White Hot, where there was a part in it. I really feel like in that book, the mission was sort of like put down all the stuff and just live your life and pay attention to your life. Yeah. And in so many ways, I feel like that's a yes, absolutely. And, and to pay attention. And then there's people probably like you and like me who really do have a thirst and a love of learning. And like, mm-hmm. I was the seven-year-old kid with my head in a book, like learning things. And I have totally. a lot of multi-passions and the way that I do it is often through reading and now podcasts or listening, because you can have access to amazing humans that think yeah. differently and live differently. And I love being exposed to them because I live in a neighborhood that's a lot of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, yes, and there are people who need to learn some stuff. Like we need to learn some shit that we haven't learned and read about ways, like learning the four agreements is really helpful to a lot of families when they're having family meetings, meetings mm-hmm. so that they have some shared dialogue and they may never have heard of that or, or learning about Byron Katie and the work and like understanding that there are some awesome tools out there that can really help you when you're struggling. Yeah. And so I think it's, um, I, I don't think it's an all or nothing, obviously, because I don't think either of us ever feel that way about anything, that it's more like in the middle, that there's times for learning and there's yes. times for yes. putting it down and there's skilling up when you don't have the skills and you're really struggling or challenged with something and you're maybe tapped into intuit. Like, I think that that's the thing I'm always thinking about is the intuition, you have everything you already need And what are the things that we can learn that can help us? Yeah. And I think here's the difference for me. I mean, and I, I haven't really approached personal development like this for a long time, but I'm not interested in putting myself on this hamster wheel and treating myself as a project that always needs to be Mm -hmm. fixed. Mm -hmm. But when I see something and I'm like, Ooh, I want to do better at that. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between enhancement and expansion And feeling like you need to fix a thing that's broken. Like, I'm not broken. And listen, I did a lot of healing um, after a really tough relationship. I needed about two years off. I'm like, that two-year mark is now. And so, like, I'm back, you know? Yeah. I needed to take a step back. I needed to rest so much. And, like, there was a lot of reading and there was learning and there was therapy and there was so much healing and time in nature. And a lot of gratitude that I don't have kids or a family to worry about. And I could just take that time for myself and no guilt about that either. Being like, there's a reason why, like, this is where I am and who I am. 
And then now I'm like, cool. And the whole time I continued to serve, I had a business that was my livelihood, but now I'm back like full force with all my energy and I have space to do the comedy thing as well. But what's amazing is how much of my life has been preparing me to do the comedy thing. Because one of the biggest components, I have a few friends who are comedians, one of the absolute biggest components is like courage and confidence and stage presence. And I've been doing that shit since I was 19. Right. So the skill premises, punchlines, joke writing, putting together a set, delivery, actually performance and being entertaining, a little bit of that comes naturally, but that's really the skill that I need to hone. Yeah. So again, it's, it's even that. It's like, it's not that I need to fix or I don't know how to, no. like, I'm just adding, adding yeah. in things to the mix. And then what's cool is as you identify what you want to add in, the stuff that's not serving you kind of like finds its way out yeah. anyway, you know? Yeah. Like I hadn't been exercising consistently for many years. I'd been up and down and all over the place with my diet for many years and like not really giving a shit about it. And now I'm just like back dialed in because my energy needs to be on point. Yes. I'm not messing around. I'm not like yeah. healing and working through my trauma anymore. Yeah. It's like, listen, that stuff will come up here and there. And I'm yeah. certainly not knocking or judging anyone else's process or experience. Absolutely. But that's where I am right now. And that is like almost exactly why I quit drinking. It didn't have anything to do with like drinking too much or drinking too little. It was like literally just headspace. Like I just wanted to subtract some things to create just a little bit more of a simple structure for every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, there's this one thing that kind of gets in the way of that energy. And so if I just take it out, then I won't have it in. And then like I sort of wrote on my little office area here, like deep commitment, like as a commitment to writing, as a commitment to to, again, the sort of energy of helping, serving, teaching, leading groups, like really being present for what's going on, because this is the work of our life with everything that's happening in the world and being able to see clearly what I need and what our community needs on top of my little micro family. It just felt like I don't have space for alcohol right now. I don't, and other, again, no judgment, other people drink away. I loved to drink. It was super fun. (laughs) It was great while it lasted, but now it's like, okay, just simplifying. Um, Is that how you created or why you created Unconsume Yourself? Tell us a little bit about what Unconsume Yourself is and why you created it. Uh, I really created that because after running Wild Soul Movement for three years at the time, mm-hmm. um, I was just realizing some of the gaps, some of the basic personal development stuff that people did not have in their toolbox yeah. or in their practices or in their awareness or understanding that would really help them better integrate all the Wild Soul Movement practice mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. And, and this is you know, part of being a creator and part of being someone who loves learning and who's been in deep practices, whether it's yoga, healing modalities, energy work, all these things that a lot of us are bringing in and synthesizing into our work, is that sometimes we take for granted that a lot of the people who are coming into our stuff haven't done even a fraction uh, yeah. right. of what we've done or right. what we've learned, right? right. And that's not there's no condescension there. There's no superiority. It's just like, it's, it's as if we went to school for something that other people didn't. Yeah. So we just have this base level of knowledge and understanding. And sometimes you just forget like, oh yeah, duh. Like not everyone did that. So um, it, that was to fill in some gaps, but that's actually one of the things I just, um, I'm running on consume yourself again right now. 
mm-hmm. and it'll be the last time I run it. I didn't yeah. know that until I started it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized, um, you know, with Wild Soul Movement 2.0 coming in, that's just going to be a much more thorough, flushed yeah. out experience. Yeah. It'll so, be folded in in other ways, probably. Yeah. 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 And, and you and I, we've talked a lot about simplifying before because you were in my mentorship this year. Yeah. That, that's part of it is like Wild yeah. Soul Movement is my thing. Yeah. You know, any of these little side programs and stuff yeah. have been awesome and useful and helpful, but um, Wild Soul Movement is my lane. Yeah. And putting them in, I think that process of like trying on the things, because I'm sure there's yeah. things you're not going to bring into Wild Soul Movement that you tried and you're like, okay, I'm going to release that. And that mm-hmm. won't necessarily be part because I did it once and it didn't feel great. You know, that kind of stuff. How do you... Um, how do you talk about your relationship to your intuition? What do you mean? How did you really strengthen that muscle? How did you make it so that you trusted it? How did you, how do you Got use it, it every day? Uh, just pra- practice. So and the, tr- like, the turning practice? point for me was in 2013, I came out of a relationship I had the idea for Wild Soul Movement. I was transitioning out of fitness into more embodiment type of work, healing and empowerment for women. Mm-hmm. And there were really two books at the time that helped me. One was um, Outrageous Openness by Tosha Silver, mm-hmm. which then led me to the complete works of Florence Scubbleshin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, there were a couple more books. And then it was... Uh, Ask Your Guides by Sonia Choquette. Oh God, I love that book. So, cause I was raised Catholic and I, I knew I was no longer interested in being part of organized religion, mm-hmm. but I hadn't reoriented it myself back mm-hmm. around what was my relationship to the divine. I never stopped believing in it. I was never an atheist, mm-hmm. but I just didn't know I was in this in between. And so grounding back into divine communication and listening in for guidance. And then also Martha Beck's Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. I was like, oh, got it. And so when I say practice, I literally just mean like taking the time to tune into myself, hearing what the guidance was and just following it. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, this is part of how I developed Wild Soul Movement because that required a lot of surrender, a lot of letting go of old stuff. And that became the first module of Wild Soul Movement, Surrender and Release. Mm-hmm. Then when you start trusting, you're able to like receive the guidance, but also receive what life is really trying to give you. And that became the second module of Wild Soul Movement, trust and receiving. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was like, well, damn, what's possible now? And then that's how like Wild Dreaming and Desire and then Love and Creation came about. So I would just, but it all really started with that connection to the divine. So to come back to your question about intuition, to me, I feel like, or I believe that intuition is actually God speaking to us, mm-hmm. right? Like prayer is our outward conversation with God or the divine or whatever you call it, the universe. Mm-hmm. Intuition is how the answers come in. That's really how I experience it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's how. When I, so when I say practice, just doing that every day. Do you feel, are you someone who needs the science to no. back up what you feel? Yeah. No. And in fact, often I'll read books like that uh, like, like Bruce Lipton, biology, mm-hmm. belief, stuff like that. And I'm like, this is cool, but I, I believe, I believe. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's science for the people who want to be like, well, Woody. And I'm like, go read yeah. this. Yes. Don't care. Yes. I, faith is my science. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting because I feel I feel like the past year, I, it's like a, a journey of like experience, trusting, then building, having that own really uh, deep faith and knowing. And now I just went through like a year long period of studying the Joe Dispenza work, mm-hmm. um, which was really captivating and interesting. And I used it like a textbook, right? With highlighters and notebooks and sort yeah. of imprinting. And like the energy that you feel around when you, the worlds collide with like the woo with the science, mm-hmm. like we always say like super woo and science too, like when it collides and you're just like, like we are cool. living in a time where it really, we have a lot of, obviously, I always call them overeducated people in DC who want to know that. And I'm like, I yeah. love that I have so many people to give you, you know, so many references Yeah, yeah. because I see how they need that their own trust even if yes. like I yeah. already believe and I've already had all these experiences whereas I, I I can't really identify it I can't really pretend to know I just can feel it and exactly. sometimes that's um I'm just so glad again that we live in a space and a time where we actually have these references okay a thousand percent agree with you right um okay last question do you want to move back to the east coast hell no <laughs> tell me the difference between the east and the west we're gonna have to go down we're gonna have to fight about this <laughs> weather you don't like the seasons i do like I the can't seasons, imagine not I... having four seasons <clears throat> my family is on the east coast so oh. i come i have a little niece now so i'm coming like every other month i have access to the east coast anytime i want it i do not need to live there um <clears throat> for me uh there's just, I love LA actually, yeah. specifically Los Angeles. I like being near the ocean. Yeah. I like just like not having to battle the weather. That's the thing. Yeah. The battle. I'm not interested. You can surrender to the weather. I, no, why? <laughs> I don't need to. I just, it's just like not a thing I need to do. It's not a thing <laughs> I need to spend my time on. Don't care. Plus, honestly, like there's not, I miss New York sometimes. Sometimes I wonder about being bi coastal. Yeah. But, why would I, why do I need to pay two rents? I can just come be there yeah. whenever I want to be there, you know? Um, a lot of my closest friends are here. I mean, a lot of, I have, I have friends everywhere, but yeah. I just like being out here. It just feels- It's a good place for you. It's a good place for me. And especially now that I'm getting into comedy, I'm like in yeah. LA. It's so easy. There's so many options. The comedy stores here, and I know again, like New York would have like Comedy yeah. Cellar and all these other places yeah. too, but- I just like it here. It works for me. Do you have a lot of mentors in comedy? Like people who are helping you or are you kind of just having to... My younger brother has been doing comedy for eight years. Oh, yeah. And our good family friend, Sean Lynch, has been in the industry for like 20. Mm-hmm. So between those two, they're really helping me out a lot. And then I just keep meeting more and more people. And because I'm me and I'm like enthusiastic and excited and receptive, people keep wanting to help me out. Yeah, right. I know. And I keep saying yes. Like even last week, Sean was on, on Monday morning. He was like, hey, you want to come do a, a gig with me tonight? Want some stage time at this bar show? I was like, yeah, sure. It was 90 minutes away. So three hours of driving I wasn't planning on doing that night. But I went, I did it. And when we got there, they were like, hey, uh, does anyone want to host? The guy who produces the show is like, I hate hosting. Anyone want to host? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I've never done it before, but I'll do it. And I didn't realize the host gets paid. Send me my first $20 doing comedy. Yay! You are now officially a paid comedian. Paid road comedian. 
And then like Sean invited me to do another thing. And then I posted something on Facebook and a friend introduced me to a friend of hers who does another show. Like even my first real show, a friend of mine was telling someone, she's like, oh, she should come open for me. So I'm just like, yes, yes. And and I think that's the cool thing entrepreneurship has helped with. I'm not afraid to fail. Yeah. We freaking fail all the time. I know we will live. You're standing and you're staying in your head wondering about all the things that are going to go wrong. I don't do that. Right. And you've, have you ever been like that? Are you like that naturally? Did you ever have a season when you were like that? I think I used to be. I think it's just so long ago. Because I, I do remember at some point being a person who said something like, I never expect the best because then when, that, when it happens, it's always like a pleasant surprise. And when it doesn't, I'm not disappointed. Mm-hmm. That was like, isn't that weird? Yeah. It was like 15 years ago. Yeah. So weird. Just doesn't sound like you're you now, obviously. You know? It certainly is not. I'm yeah. like, I'm always expect miracles and for things to go better than I could possibly imagine because they usually yeah. do. I just think it's really important to pick at the, at the mind habits of people who do follow the yes or follow the flow or continue to try new things or raise their hand because a lot of women in our community will ask a lot of questions like, but what if it sucks? Or what if I this, or what if I can't, what if I get lost? And the circling in Ayurveda, we call it Vata. It's just the spinning of the thoughts Mm -hmm. action of the, yes, I'm going to try this thing. And I think that's, yeah. Well, cause I, I really, there's only one way to find out is to do it. Right. And it's an entire waste of time to be like, well, what if, what if, like, if you're going to ask what if questions, I would only ask the, like, what if it goes better than I could possibly imagine? Yeah. What if I make so much money? I don't know what to do with it. What if someone's like, Hey, I want to train you and help you have a Netflix special by next year. Like, absolutely. That's the kind of what what if up, right? Like what if, what if, what if it's amazing, but the wiring right now is just what if negative tends to be. So for yeah, a lot yeah. of people, so just re- understanding that and reframing that, I think is really helpful. And then you just kind of naturally do it and it doesn't become such a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A thing that is super draining to people. I mean, I think this is why so many overachieving women really come so exhausted because they're literally, their thoughts are spinning all day. What if this, what if that, what if I, so breaking from that, but I do think probably you like are t- like people like you and people like me, we didn't have it as ingrained for so long. So it was a little bit easier for us because we're sort of, I think like, I, I'm so glad, I'm so appreciative that I came into this work so much younger. Like I didn't have a 50, I wasn't 50 and had a crisis and then had to yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah, so those yeah. patterns were much easier for me to un, sort of unlock much earlier just because I was yeah. so much younger when I was reading it. I mean, I was reading Sark when I was like 10, you know, and just like wanting to draw pictures and write beautiful words and call it a book. (laughs) I still have never checked out any of her stuff. People tell me I would love it. Um, She's just like a creative goddess, you know, and her books are amazing. And she's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, And thanks to the power of the internet, I'm friends with her now. And she likes the name Pleasance. And that feels like from God when you're like childhood author that you love. That's amazing. That's cool. Um, any guests coming on the podcast that you're looking forward to any topics you're looking forward to? Uh, what I'm actually looking forward to is, so we are, we're we're 275 episodes in and we'll go to 280 and then I'm at for the last six weeks of 2018, I'm doing solo episodes. Nice. 
Just want a, a little yeah. breather from interviews. I haven't yeah. taken a break from interviews in three and a half years. Uh, yeah, time to do that. For just take a little breather. Yeah. Um, root back into core, wild soul movement, yeah. oh, topical stuff. Yes. Just re-steer the ship a little bit. Yeah. And then that's actually something that I'm also kind of feeling into right now. How do I want to start 2019? Like what kind of guests, what kind of topics? Mm-hmm. What do we want to be exploring? Mm-hmm. This year, it was really heavy on like social justice, anti-racism yeah. oriented type of things. Mm-hmm. And that work never stops, but I think we've thoroughly explored it on the, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So not that I need to stop, but I feel like there's like a, like a, whether it's a theme or whether it's a direction, like something is like bubbling up for 2019 to be yeah. a little more focused and intentional about, but I don't quite know what it is yet. Did you watch The Wire? Yeah, you back in the day. So remember how each season was a different theme? Yes. That's yes. what it feels like. It's like you're closing that out. That is what it feels like. Because you, know? you know what? It was January last year when I rebranded the podcast, yeah. Untamed the Wild Soul to Truth Telling. Yeah. So now it's always going to be truth telling. I think you might be right. And maybe oh, it's like that. that we dive in for a year. Yeah. Who knows? So good. Anything um, is possible. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you. I really appreciate you and keep doing everything you're doing. Where can people find you? Where do you want them to sign up for anything? Do you have anything you want to? Well, if people want to check out that morning ritual that you and I were talking about yeah, that you yeah. like to do with the kids, they can go to wildsoulmovement.com forward slash resources. Mm-hmm. There's also the other resource on that page is um, an energy hygiene video, which comes in handy a lot for people learning how to cut your cords and ground yourself, especially if you're super sensitive or you're an empath that, that literally saves people's lives. Um, And then Instagram, if you're on social media, I love Instagram. I'm pretty much, I don't really do anything. I, on my, I mean, I'm on my personal Facebook page anymore, but Instagram's the place. And then anything I'm ever doing, I have one of those one convenient link things in my Instagram profile. So it's just oh, super yeah. easy to click one thing and then boop, everything pops up. I love up. that thing. Link and what's it called? Um, link tree. Link tree. It's amazing. Yeah. So great. Makes it really um, wonderful to see people's depth of work that way yeah. too. So it's not yeah. just one thing. You can find the podcast, the Oracle right. deck, the resources, Wild Soul Movement, like whatever else is going on. Yeah. One link. Um, thank you. Thank you. You're the thank best. You. Keep doing what you're doing and we will keep sharing it. Bye. Bye.